Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Uh, Partnership International. And essentially what I do is I travel and I speak in churches and conferences around the country. And then I use that influence to talk those churches into going to some of the world's poor places and doing missions projects. How many of you know the whole world needs Jesus? Amen. Uh, You guys have been a part of that, and we're so grateful for that. You were in uh, the inner city of Kansas City with us this summer. Uh, we uh, This year we had, I think it was 13 missions teams that did about $250,000 worth of work on various places around the world, and uh, the Lord is up to big things. And I, what I believe is this, Proverbs 31.8 is really my life verse. It's speak for those that cannot speak for themselves and ensure justice for those that are being crushed. So I believe if God gives you a voice, it's your responsibility to use that voice for those that don't have one. Amen. And uh, you guys get to be a part of that uh, through supporting our ministry. And, and in fact, we already started talking about a trip next year and encourage you to come and just be a part of what God is doing. Well, I want to dive right in. I know that my wife, Jeannie, who will be in the second service, that she, did, she spoke a great word to the ladies yesterday. Uh, but uh, but I, have a, uh, I have a strong word on my heart this morning. I think, I think all the ladies want Jeannie to speak again, but I am up this morning. Uh, so that's why I don't let her speak very often. But um, uh, God really put this on my heart about a month ago, and really the worship service kind of flowed with my word this morning. Uh, I want to share with you a message called The Ultimate Upgrade, and we are going to talk about miracles today, about developing a supernatural mindset. Uh, I don't know about you, but I am so glad that our God is a progressive God, that he is always up to something, amen? Amen. That he doesn't run out. He doesn't tire. The Bible says the favor of the Lord lasts a lifetime. And so I woke up today, and I've been doing this for about 35 years, and I was like, God, you're going to show up again. Amen? Uh, It's going to be a good year. Uh, God, you have miracles in store. Uh, It's kind of a weird left turn, but I I hate roller coasters. Is there anybody else out here that hates roller coasters? Uh, uh, You know, I, I don't know what it is. I just don't like that feeling of being out of control and that kind of thing. And one of the things I hate about them is after that torture, they drop you off in the same place where they picked you up. Now, I'm thinking, like, if I had to go through that, I ought to be, like, in some secret part of the park or something like that. But, no, it's like, you know, no, you're right where you started. I am so glad that God never takes us for a ride and then just drops us off where we started. Amen? He is a progressive God. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today is God's desire to do great things in our lives. I, I, uh, I, I fly a lot, and uh, a few years ago, I kind of committed to Delta, and now I'm like, you know, whatever, super elite or whatever with Delta. And so I get upgraded probably about 60, 65% of the time. And my wife, Jeannie, uh, last year started traveling with me more, and so she had never been upgraded before. And y'all, I'm just telling you, uh, Jeannie doesn't act like she's been there before. Uh, <laughs> the first time we ever got upgraded, she's like, oh, it's no big deal. And then we got up there, and she was just way over commenting about everything. She took way too many snacks, you know. It just, 
I, I finally leaned over to her and I was like, babe, act like you've been here before, you know, and you're embarrassing me, you know, and finally I was like, I don't even know who this woman is, you know, kind of thing, and, and, and uh, all I can tell you is this, is that we serve a God of upgrading, man. Uh, and I don't mean this from like a prosperity standpoint, but from like a kingdom attitude standpoint. I am a king's kid. I don't ride in the back of the plane. God, God wants to upgrade my life, and he wants to upgrade your life on a regular basis. Now, I want to ask you a question as we're getting started. Who in here needs a miracle? Is there anybody that needs a miracle in the house this morning? The truth is, everybody in this room should have just raised both of your hands, stuck your toes up in the air, because you cannot really do this Christian life without the miraculous. And in fact, if you're here this morning, are, are we uh, uh, online here, here this morning? So let's give it up for the online audience as well. Amen. Thank you guys so much for watching. But if you're watching online or you're here today, can I just tell you, listen, you need a miracle. And in fact, if you showed up today, this church is likely to kidnap you and take you to church, you know. And, and if you, you showed up today and you're not even a Christian, can I tell you, like, one of the greatest things about being a Christian is that you automatically, when you accept Jesus in your heart, you enter into the realm of the supernatural. Now, now, why is that so powerful? Well, because the supernatural is something that God has blessed in the way of like usurping what we'll call the natural. Now, the, this world is built on natural laws, right? The sun goes up and the sun what? comes down. It's predictable. The first law of thermodynamics, the second law of thermodynamics, I don't even know what it is. I just wanted to sound smart. But, but, uh, but, it, but it is built like science is built on the predictability of natural laws. What the supernatural is, is when God decides to trump his own laws. When God actually, I love this, when he overrules himself. God is a God of the miraculous. He is not a God who is subject to natural laws. He is a supernatural God. Psalm 37, or Psalm 77, verse 14 says, You are a God of miracles and wonders. You still demonstrate your awesome power. Everybody say, He still demonstrates His awesome power. God is still doing it. So what's the problem? The problem is with most of us is that we are so tied to the natural that we end up missing the supernatural. We limit ourselves when, uh, to our understanding when we serve a God that is way beyond our understanding. In fact, here's what I know. Most of us, we don't use our imagination for God. We use our imagination against God. The Bible says that God can do more than we can ask or what? Even imagine. Now, I don't know about you, but I got a good imagination, amen? I can imagine some big things. But the problem with most of us is we use our imagination not in a supernatural way, but in a natural way, and we do it in two ways. One is we use it in the area of worry, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I can worry it up, man. I, can, I, can, I was raised by an Olympic-level, like, gold medalist worrier in my mom. I'm telling you, like, she can worry with the best of them, right? And what is worry? Worry is imagining things against God, right? 
It's like he's not going to come through and things are going to fall apart. The other way we use imagination is in our sinful lives. Now, now if you're here today and you are a sinner, and how many of you know we all are on some level, that I, I can tell you, man, I can imagine up some sin, and so can you. But what if we turn that around and we began to use our imagination for God instead of against God? In my house, uh, I, we have uh, kind of on the first floor, we have this really nice guest room. And in that guest room, we put this big fluffy chair, and it's kind of over by a pretty window. And so that's where I do my devotions in the morning. In fact, we keep on trying to get Pastor Gabe and Amanda to come stay at our house. And when they do, you just have to understand that's where I do my devotions. So, like, when you wake up, I'll be there in that chair. But, but uh and don't make it weird, you know. I mean, it's just that's where it is. And, and one of the things I call that chair is I call it my thinking chair. And literally, as a part of my devotional time almost every day, I just take a few minutes and I just imagine the goodness of God. I just imagine all the wonderful things that God wants to do on my behalf. And can I tell you, every time I do that, I don't feel a disdain from the Lord, but I feel like God is pleased with me thinking on a big level for him. See, small thoughts and small prayers don't honor God. Man, big thoughts and big prayers, how many of you know, that honors our Lord. So we have to stop uh, limiting ourselves to the natural because God wants us to experience the supernatural. Who in this room needs a miracle, amen? Everybody needs a miracle. Now, did you know that the New Testament church was really built on the miraculous? Now, not only did the baptism of the Holy Spirit happen at the beginning of the New Testament, but also, like, like Acts chapter 3, the first megachurch was birthed. The Bible says that over 5,000 people got saved when Peter preached the first sermon. But did you know why that crowd was there? Read it closely. You'll find that there was a man who was lame, and he stayed out in front of a gate called the Gate Beautiful. It was basically the gate that everybody had to walk through to go to church. And, and he had been walked past hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of times, and Finally, one day, Peter and John, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I'll give you, stand up and walk. And the Bible says that man held on to Peter and John. Read it closely. And the crowd gathered because of the man who had gotten healed. It was actually a miracle that birthed the New Testament church. Amen? How, why are we trying to do church without the miraculous? No, we've got to stop trying to do this Christian life with making miracles an optional thing. It is not optional. We need the miracles of God. Amen? Amen. I, I read this a while back. It's probably not true. I'm sure it's not. But I read a story about a lion and a tiger. And the, and, and the story goes like this, that a lion and a tiger was sitting in the jungle, and the lion stood up, and he let out a great roar. And the tiger looked at the lion, and he said, Why are you roaring like a fool? And the tiger said back to the lion, he said, or the lion said back to the tiger, he said, that is not foolish. They call me the king of the beasts because I advertise. Well, a fox was nearby, or excuse me, a rabbit was nearby, and it heard the, the lion and the tiger talking, and he ran away like a streak, but he began to think to himself, I want to be like the lion. And so he, he stopped, and he tried to let out a great roar, but it came out in just a little squeak. Well, a fox was nearby, and he had lunch in the woods that day. The moral of the story is both profound and powerful. If you're going to advertise, you better make sure that you, hear, you have the goods. 
Now, now I can tell you, I think that I think we live in a world that is tired of hearing the roars without the power. I, I think we are weary of words. This generation is longing for the miraculous. God wants us to believe big, amen? He wants the miracle mindset to be in every one of his followers. God wants for there to be miracles in our lives, amen? Somehow my iPad is not working like it should. Here we go. There we go, amen. <laughs> Just had a miracle right there. So, so, so what am I trying to say to you this morning? I'm trying to say that you are legit. Everybody say this out loud. Say, I am legit. Yeah, you know what miracles do for somebody? They add legitimacy to their life, to their calling, to their ministry. Uh, can I tell you, you cannot like me this morning. You cannot like how I preach or don't like anything I do in ministry. That's all fine. But when miracles happen on in behalf of my ministry, how I many of you know you cannot deny the miraculous? Amen? You are legit. This summer, Pastor Gabe and uh, Amanda and your team, they came and served one of the churches that we've been helping over the years. It's called Reach Church in inner city Kansas City. And and it sits right off of Van Brunt and I-70. If you're driving through Kansas City, it's about a mile before Arrowhead Stadium. And everybody in Kansas City knows you don't take Van Brunt. It's for the worst neighborhood around. And there's about five, 600 homeless people that live just within a few miles of that church. And it's amazing what God is doing. And, and after their team was there, we had a couple of others. And we actually decided that we were going to do a major remodel, kind of right on the spot. We basically did about a hundred and fifty thousand dollar remodel of their sanctuary for about twenty grand. I mean, you know, free labor is nice, amen. And we put in a balcony, added ninety-five seats that they desperately needed, and it's just amazing what happened. And I and it was all said and done. Pastor Adam, the pastor there, I walked him into that balcony and we kind of looked over his new sanctuary. There was a new great big TV on the wall and and I said to Adam, I said, you now have a sanctuary that 80% of the churches in this area would kill to have. And I looked at him and I said, you've got to stop saying that you're just an inner city church. No, you are one of the best churches in Kansas City and God is going to grow this place and, and, and you are legit, amen? And I could see it in his eyes as he was receiving it. He's not some church on the backside of nowhere. God knows where you are, amen? You are legit. And so every one of us, we need God to do the miraculous. I really think, I'm going to give you two quick outlines. I really think there's at least four kinds of miracles that every person in this room needs to have. The first one is what I'll call spiritual miracles. The greatest miracle of all is that you are saved and set free. Now, now listen, if you're in bondage today, can I just give you some hope? The length of your addiction does not make it harder for God to set you free. It, it may have been in your family for years and for generations, and it's like, man, my grandpa was an alcoholic, my dad was, and now I am one. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says iniquity can go for three, four generations. In other words, iniquity is like a pattern of sin in a family. Think of it like a wind blowing on a tree, and it starts to lean in a certain direction. But righteousness can extend to a thousand. That's what the Bible says. So listen, it can be broken with your generation. Amen. I, I grew up in a family of like low self-worth and suicide. My great-grandfather hung himself in the in a garage. Can I tell you, with my generation, that stuff is broken in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you need spiritual miracles. Number two, you need protection 
miracles. I, I heard a story about a missionary in a remote village who God spoke to him one day, and he said, hey, I want you to fast. I want you to fast for the next three days. I mean, no food, no water, nothing, just fast. And so for the next three days, he obeyed God and fasted. What he didn't realize was the witch doctor of that village had been poisoning his food for that entire three days, and yet he fasted, wouldn't take a bite. At the end of the three days, the, the, a bunch of people came to his door and said, how did you know? And he said, all I know is I obeyed God. And like the entire village came to Christ in the next few weeks. I mean, you know that God can protect us, amen? I had somebody walk up to me in a conference not long ago, and, they, and it was I, I get people say all kinds of things, and a lot of times I'm just like, dude, you ate too much pizza last night, you know, or whatever. But, but you know, God was just backing them up. I mean, I could just feel it. And it was kind of it was a teenager. He walked up and he said, he said, Pastor Doug, do you know that you have two big angels, one on your right and one on your left? And he said, God told me to tell you that they go with you everywhere that you go. Now, now, listen, all I can tell you is I felt the Spirit of God really backing them up. Now, I haven't named these guys yet, but all I can tell you is like one angel in the Old Testament killed 300,000 people. So you don't want to make a run at me, just give it a try. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> provision miracles. I, 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 number three, uh, provision miracles. How many of you believe that God can provide on our behalf? Amen. Uh, I can tell you, man, I, I, I know some of you are here and you're like, oh, Pastor Doug, you know, I'm in like that, you know, uh, the Dave Ramsey thing and I got like the debt snowball going. Listen, I am all for that, but understand that is stewardship. And stewardship should be backed up by the miraculous. And all I know is we serve a God that when he starts to see faithfulness, he can turn your 10-year plan into a one-year plan. Amen? He can turn your one-year plan into a one-day plan. I, 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 it was about, I don't know, six years ago, the Lord spoke to me to leave the church that I was pastoring and go back on the road full-time. I was still part-time. I was preaching out a lot, but... God said, you know, leave this security, go back on the road. And, and, and so we, we took Partnership International to another level, and it's just amazing what God has done. But in that first year, I, I was going through the summer, and our fiscal year kind of ends in August. That's sort of like when, how we figure up our next year. And in August, I could tell that, you know, we were going to be $20,000 short. I, I just knew the budget for the following year was going to be $20,000 short. And, I, and I, I wasn't worried about it. I just said, God, you see this need? You, you are, you know, you own the cattle on a thousand hills, sell some cows, man, you know, you know, make this happen in Jesus name. And I just walked away from it. It was five months later, December 27th of that year, six years ago. And, and uh, I get a phone call. It's a guy that he supported our ministry in the past, owns kind of a big business. And he, and he called me up. He said, hey, Pastor Doug, he goes, he goes, your ministry is like a registered nonprofit, right? And I said, come on, man, shut up. You know it is. And, and he, said, uh, he said, all right, I'll be at your house in a few minutes. He comes walking in my house. By the way, this is the way to walk into a house. He has a $20,000 check, no envelope, just leading with the check, baby, into my, and he's like, here, my business did really good. I just want to have a tax write-off, and he hands it to me, and of course, we cried and rejoiced and whatever. I put it away, didn't even think about it, and it was about three weeks later that God reminded me that I had prayed a little prayer back in August. I mean, you know, God can provide, amen? God is a God of provision. Uh, more than that, when you are involved in God's purposes, God does miracles of legitimacy on your behalf. 
You know, it's funny because that exact same guy, the guy that wrote the check, he was on a trip with me this summer. We were in uh, the country of Jamaica, and we were remodeling this orphanage. And we, we were, it's hard to describe, but we, we were having to lay pipe underground and connect it to existing pipe. And those of you that maybe are in this trade, you'll know what I'm talking about. We needed something called a Fernco coupling. It's just a rubber coupling that means that you can put it in and you can kind of slide it over and slide it back. It, it, it's for like if you can't move the pipe, if you can't dig it up. And and uh, so we went to all these different stores. We just could not find one. This guy's name is Marshall. Marshall and I were on our seventh store when finally I said, listen, I don't know. Let's just get redneck about this. Maybe there's like a piece of radiator hose or something like that. Let's just figure it out. We'll, we'll kind of do a fix. So we go to a junkyard, start looking through car parts. Marshall yells out, there it is. And in the middle of a junkyard, sticking up out of the junk is the exact coupling that we need uh, just in some random spot. I mean, you know that God knows how to provide. Amen. God is a God of provision. I also believe that we need specific miracles. See, one of the greatest ways that you can know that you are not walking in an attitude of the miraculous is when your prayers become really vague. I, I, I really don't like it when people pray for me and they're super vague. They're like, God, just kind of bless them sometime, some way, you know. Lord, I just pray over the next several months you'll heal his body. I mean, I want to be healed right now, amen. I, I mean, you know, you got to get specific in the way you go to God in your prayers. I, I love it when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Because when he raised Lazarus, the Bible says that he yelled out, Lazarus, come forth. How many of you know if he had just yelled, come forth, it would have been a problem because the whole graveyard would have got up, right? No, he specifically called out what he wanted to call out. God is saying to you today, if you will call it out, he will bring it forth, amen? But you've got to get specific in your prayers. Listen, Christianity is a religion that cannot be separated from the miraculous. It's required. You need the miraculous. You are legit. I just want you to get this in your spirit. I think it was Tim Keller that said this. He said that the only one that can wake up a king in the middle of the night and ask for a glass of water is the child of that king. Now, now listen, you and I try to go in there. How I many you know we get arrested? But you are a child of a king. Amen. And, 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 and I think God wants you to get this in your spirit today, that you got to start calling out and fighting for what's yours. No, God doesn't love me more than he loves you. Amen? He, he's, oh, Pastor Doug, he'll do miracles for you, but not for... Where do you get that stuff? You understand? And do you understand that comparison is always relative, right? I can tell you my $20,000 story, but there's guys that have $2 million stories. I mean, I mean you know what I mean. And, and, and I can sit back and I can go, well, God, you know, if you just do that for me. No, God loves you, and he wants to perform miracles on your behalf. I, I was on a flight not, not too long ago, and I was flying from Houston. I, I can't remember what. I think it was uh, Honduras or something. But we were about to fly out. And there was a lady who got on the plane, and she could only speak Spanish. And, and it was funny because somebody had sat in her seat. Now, there was another seat on the other side of the aisle that was just as good as hers, but she wanted the seat that was on her ticket number. And so in Spanish, she was just 
really going out. I think she was cussing out somebody in Spanish. I don't understand Spanish, but I, but I think that's what she was doing. And finally, they literally had to take the plane all the way back to the gate, get an interpreter to come out, and figure out what this lady wanted. And, and before it was all said and done, a half-hour delay, but she got her seat. And everybody on the plane was mad at this lady, but I don't know. I was just in a good mood that day, and I, and I, I just thought, man, you go, girl. You know, you know what I'm saying? It was just like, like somebody took your seat, man. You paid for that seat, so fight for what is yours, amen? How many of you know that our Savior paid for you to have the seat on the plane that you deserve, amen? And, and you've got to get this in your spirit. God wants to do the miraculous on your behalf. Desperation demands the miraculous. How desperate are you today? Uh, many of you, you're in this moment, and you're hearing me preach on this topic, and, and you're in a desperate moment. And I, I wanted to take you, just in our last 15 minutes here, I wanted to take you to a spot in Scripture that there's an extreme situation going on. Uh, we are in an extreme moment as a country right now, and and this is what's happening in the Bible. The Bible says at this moment, 1 Kings 17 and 18, if you want to turn there, that Israel is a divided kingdom. There is a northern and a southern kingdom, and there's a bloody civil war that's happening, and neither one of these kingdoms are living for God at this point. So they're di divided when they're supposed to be one. They're fighting against each other. And, and, and the Bible tells us that, that idol worship has risen up in the land to an extreme point. They are worshiping a false god of sensuality named Baal, and, and, and I can't even describe it. They are, they are forcing children as young as 10 years old into temple prostitution, boys and girls, so that they might worship this false god of Baal. Even human sacrifice is a part of their culture. And right in the middle of all of this, uh, a king named Ahab marries a Sidonian princess named Jezebel. And the Bible says that Jezebel and Ahab take the wickedness to a level that is beyond what has been experienced before, which was saying something. And right in the middle of all this desperation, God raises up a servant, a voice, a prophet from a place called Tishba. How many of you know that God loves to use nobodies from nowhere, amen? And, and, and he gives them this voice, and he begins to perform miracles on behalf of the people. God loves to do ordinary, to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. His gift to us is our involvement in the miraculous. Amen? And so real quickly today, real quickly, I promise, I, I want to share with you what I call four miraculous markers or four reminders from this story of how God involves us in the supernatural. Right? You can read the story later, 1 Kings 17. The, the, Bible, the, the, first, the first marker is this. The first marker is what I call the challenge made. The Bible says in 1 Kings 17, 1, that Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishba and Gilead, goes to King Ahab. Now, remember, he's the most powerful man in his universe. And he says, as the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be no dew or rain for the next few years except at my word. Now, in other words, there's going to be no more rain until I say so. I, I, I am not going to allow this situation to be watered anymore. I, I, I am going to give no life to this idol worship thing any longer. Things are going to change. Elijah makes a holy 
decoration. He challenges the status quo of his day. Three years pass, so you can imagine three years of drought. And in chapter 18, verse 1, it says this. In the third year of the drought, the Lord says to Elijah, go and prepare yourself and present to King Ahab and tell him that I will soon send rain. And when Ahab saw him, he exclaims, so is it really you, the troublemaker of Israel? I, I love that. Elijah doesn't even back down. He says, no, I have not made trouble for Israel, but you and your family are the troublemakers. Remember, he's standing in front of the king, where you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal. Now, now listen. God is raising up in this day troublemakers. How I many of you know that? Uh, did you know, like, if you're a young person today, this is what gives me hope. Young people are built to rebel. You rebelled when you were young, and so did I. Do you know the greatest rebellion of our culture today is to live for Jesus in a pure way? Amen? When you do that, you go against everything that this culture represents. God is raising up troublemakers today. I think it was an Irish poet that said it like this. He said, the best way to serve your generation is to betray it. I, I, I call out the troublemakers today. I call out the ones who will not accept the status quo, but they are asking God to perform the miracles on their behalf. See, miracles, get this, extreme responses from God often come when somebody of faith challenges the destructive normalcy of their day. I, I did this when I was youth pastoring. I would go into a, a new youth group, a new spot, and I would say, listen, I don't know what's happened in the past, but enemy, the death is going to stop now. God is going to do something on behalf of this ministry. We're going to see people come to Christ. We're going to see this entire school change. You understand what I'm saying? You challenge the destructive normalcy of your day. I did that when I got saved and my family was not saved. I began to say, it changes with my generation. There's somebody has to step up and challenge what the enemy has called normal. I, uh, I youth pastored in three different spots, and one of them was an incredible church in Helena, Montana. And uh, God blew up that youth ministry to about 250 kids in a church of like 500. And it was just amazing what God did there. And, and uh, one of the things that we were really involved in was uh, creating Bible clubs in schools. And one of the schools that we were in, it had about 100 kids going to that Bible club. And I, I, I didn't realize this was happening, but they met every single morning. And uh, for about a month, there was a guy who was a senior at that high school, and he was a really outspoken atheist. He, he just knew enough ab about you know, things to kind of confuse some of these Christian kids, and none of the kids really knew how to argue with them. And so basically for about a month, he had set himself up in front of that Bible club, and he would just mock the kids as they came in. And I, I didn't know about this, but, but it was about a month later that we were doing a Tuesday night prayer meeting, and there was this girl named Michelle. She was just an ordinary kid in our youth group, but she was that we, we basically did like prayer stations around the room and almost like this, but it had like 12 pillars and we turned them all into prayer stations. And, and Michelle, that night, she had set herself up in front of what we called the school's prayer station. And she was just weeping and crying for about two hours. And so I walked up to her and I said, Michelle, what's going on? And she said, well, Pastor Doug, God is telling me to do something. 
and, and she said, I don't want to tell you about it because I feel like if I tell you about it, I won't do it. I'm just going to do it, and I'll tell you about it later. And I said, all right, just do that, you know. And, and, and I had no idea how badly I just set myself up because the next day, Michelle walks into that school, and she has targeted this young man who's mocking the Bible club. And he is just there like clockwork, and she goes walking up to him. She told me later, she said, Pastor, I had no idea what I was going to say. I mean, you know, the Bible says God will give you what to say in moments like that. She walked up to him, and this is her words. She said, I pointed my finger at him. I opened my mouth having no idea what was going to come out of it. And she said, out of my mouth came these words. She said, she said, you're an atheist, right? And he said, absolutely, I am. She said, well, here's what I'm going to ask of you. She said, I still didn't know what I was going to say. She said, I ask you, if you really know what you believe, if you really believe that what you believe is true, then I want you to come to my youth group tonight because you're, you're, you know, if you really believe it, you'll have so much confidence and you, and you won't mind somebody challenging what you believe. And he, he looked at her and said, I'm not coming to your stupid youth group. And, and she said, what are you like, scared or something? She said, I thought you were smart. I thought you knew what you believe. I mean, come on. You know, I, I just come one time and just, you know, you'll confirm that what you believe is true. And she just mocked him back. I mean, several times called him a chicken, a scary cat, all that kind of stuff. Finally, after about five minutes, he said, all right, I'll go to your youth group. And and so anyway, I, Pastor Gabe, I wish I could say that that had been one of my better days of sermon preparation, but... I got to tell you, it was kind of, I was kind of an off day, you know, but I, I had a sermon, but it wasn't very good, and, and anyway, I'm, I'm standing at the front door of the youth facility that night, and kids are walking in, and Michelle comes walking in, and there's Atheist Boy with her, you know, and, and she, she tells me the story, but real quick, and she's like, he's here, and, and he's got this attitude, you know, kind of thing, and so that night, there's about 200 kids there. But uh, it was really just me and Atheist Boy in my mind, you know, because I, I had a four-point sermon that night. And I can still remember preaching those four points. And I was preaching as if nobody else was in the room. I was just me and that kid, you know. And, and all I know is by the third point, he put his arms down. I thought that was progress because he had just, you know, been sitting there. And by the fourth point, there were big tears running down his face. And then he walked down to the front in front of 200 kids and gave his life to Christ. And, and, and listen, it wasn't because it wasn't because the preacher was such a good preacher. It was because somebody challenged the destructive normalcy of their day. Listen, when you finally get to the point where enough is enough, how I many you know God loves to meet people in that moment? Amen. Number two, I got to hurry. Number two is the stage set. Often God attaches divine strategy to the miraculous. And he gives courageous wisdom when he's about to perform on behalf of his people. Now, let, let, let me just show you what happens. The Bible says in chapter 18 that Elijah challenges the 850 false prophets of his day. 400 of Asherah, 450 of Baal. And, and, and the Bible tells us that he sets up basically a stage moment. He essentially says to the false prophets, we're going to set up two sacrifices, one on this side and one on that side. And we're going to pray, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. Now, now listen, it's 850 to 1, and Elijah says, I'll even let you go first. Now, 
you, you can just imagine, I've read all the commentaries on this. There was joyful celebration on behalf of the false prophets. They, they probably were doing like choreographed dancing. It, their God's going to come through, and this, false, this Elijah is finally going to get killed once and for all. And, and you can imagine, and, and it goes from morning all the way to noon. Have you ever tried to pray for four hours, anybody out there? I mean, and you have the Holy Spirit, right? You know, and these guys don't even have the Holy Spirit, and they've been praying for four hours, and they're getting tired, and about noon, Elijah starts mocking them. He starts saying stuff like, maybe your God's on vacation, you know, read the story. Maybe, maybe he's tired, and he's taking a nap. He, he even says, it literally says this in the text, maybe he's constipated, he's in the bathroom, you know, that's, that's what it says. And, and I remember the first time I ever read that, I thought to myself, man, I, I just wish I could be in a moment like that someday. I mean, how cool would that be? I want to rent this video when I get to heaven. I mean, that, that, how, how awesome, you know, must that have been to just be standing in that much godly authority. And, and as I was having that thought, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, son, you're only thinking that because you don't understand the text. Now, I want you to imagine, because they keep going, the Bible says, all the way until dark. Now, just imagine this. I, I, in the commentaries, it says that they begin to cut themselves. Uh, in fact, in fact, some some theologians believe that some of them even committed suicide, trying to get the answer from their false god. Now, now I want you to imagine this. See, they are experiencing what I call the pain of lies. Uh, imagine that you're standing in that moment, and you're a false prophet, and you gave your very soul as a temple prostitute. And now it's 850 to 1, and your God can't answer? Uh, are you just a couple of months ago sacrificed one of your children on the altars of Baal? And now it's 850 to 1, and your God can't come through. And the Bible says that at the end of all of this, that Elijah's finally, okay, it's my turn. And not only does he, not only does he pray, but he actually digs a ditch around it. He pours water over the sacrifice. Remember, they are in a drought, <laughs> and so he pours water on the sacrifice. The Bible says that all day long the people have been gathering. Some theologians believe there could be as many as a million people had gathered to watch this. And then he simply, point number three, prays a prayer of faith, and then does what? God, or point, or excuse He, he uh the stage is set, the altar is rebuilt, number four, the prayer of faith, and the Bible says that God answers by fire, amen? And now, now listen, some of you are here today, and you have been asking God for the miraculous, but you haven't challenged the status quo of your situation. You're not really desperate. You, you certainly haven't obeyed God to the point that a stage is set for God to move on. And, and, and then the Bible says that when he rebuilt the altar, you know what the rebuilding the altar represented? Rebuilding the altar represented them going down to the temple, reading the law of God. And then the altar would be 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. In other words, Elijah is saying, we are not one, two nations. We're not divided. We don't serve a false god. We are one nation, 12 tribes. We serve Jehovah. He is rebringing spiritual order back. Amen. How many of you know that's the biggest miracle of all? Amen. And then when he prays the prayer of faith, God answers by fire and he comes through. Some of you are here today and you say, Pastor Doug, I just wonder, could God ever move on my behalf? Well, listen, a life of obedience, it begets a life of miracles. Amen. And so I, I, I want you to stand to your feet all, all across the room this morning. And um, 
we're going we're gonna to pray that God would come through and that God would perform a miracle on your behalf. But I don't know about you, but I want to walk in this every single day. Amen? So are you married to the natural or have you developed an attitude of the supernatural? Uh, are, are, you, are you so caught up in what you see in front of your everyday eyes that you really can't believe God that he would perform miracles on your behalf? So I ask it again, who in this room needs a miracle today? Amen? I, I need the miracles of God. Come on, let's pray. Father, right now in Jesus' name. Come on, you need a miracle. Just begin to lift up your hands today to the Lord. I pray that you would begin to move up and down these aisles today all throughout this church. And Lord, I know that you are here to, to meet your people right where they are. You're a God of miracles, and you desire to perform those miracles on behalf of your people. And so, Lord, today, we, we begin right now in this moment to challenge the status quo of where we are. Come on, just pray this under your breath. We say, enemy, your time is over, and it's time for God to move on my behalf. In Jesus' name, Lord, would you just cause a desperation, a holy desperation to flow through your people today. God, I, I pray over Impact Church and the great vision that you've given this place. And I, and I ask you, Lord, that on behalf of this house, that you would be the God of miracles. God, we pray for financial miracles. We pray for healing miracles. God, we pray for spiritual miracles. God, we pray for the provision of the Lord to come through on behalf of your people. God, I ask you that you would move on behalf of this church in Jesus' name. As these guys just begin to play behind me, I'd, I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. And you're here today and you just say, Pastor Doug, I want, I want what you're talking about, man. I want to I have a life where the supernatural is just a regular thing. But I'm not really even sure that I'm 100% right with God. You know, if I, if I was to walk out of this building today and tragedy of all tragedies, I was to, you know, die in a car wreck or something, I'm not even sure that I would go to heaven. Can I tell you the first miracle that you need? All good things start at the foot of the cross. The first miracle that you need is to be right with Jesus. You're here today and you're watching online and you just say, I, I Man, I, I need what you're talking about, but I'm, I'm not sure that God would move on my behalf. I don't know that I even have a relationship with him. Well, listen, it can all begin right now. Amen. So no matter where you're at in the house, I can still see even with the lights down. I, I want you to just raise your hand if that's you and just say, man, I got to get right with Jesus today. First time, first time in a long time. One, two, three, four, five, six. How many? Who, who else? And just say, come on, we'll just wait a moment. Those of you watching online, just kind of give us some emojis or something. How many of you received this word today? Amen. Come on, let's pray this out loud. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You did that for me. So today I give you my life. I give you my heart in the name of Jesus. I make no excuse for my sin throw myself on your mercy in Jesus name Father move on behalf of your people I pray that the fruit of this morning would be a miraculous attitude that we would begin to change our attitude and expect more of God and two that you would just begin to perform miracles on behalf of your people 
that we would hear the testimonies and the stories. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.